Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I am shared or I am <laughs> I am here with a special guest, Kim Seeley. And she is going to be talking all things judging, posing. She is a fitness IFBB pro. So Kim, go ahead and unmute your phone and welcome to the show. I'm back. <laughs> so, Hello, everyone. Hey, thank you so much for being on. I just wanted you to kind of share a little bit of your background. So education, where you're from, family, all that good stuff. Thanks for having me. We've been trying to do this a few times. So it's, yeah, it's, I think since the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm very, very honored and thankful to be here. So uh, Kim Seeley, as you stated, I my original professional was through fitness. And then after a few injuries, I did do figure. So those are the two divisions that I was pro in both fitness and figure education. I went to central Missouri state university, which I think now is called UCM got a bachelor's of science in physical education, and then got a minor in what they called at the time was corporate wellness. So that's that's background. And then after school, got the, the typical certifications for personal training, nutrition, all that kind of jazz. Currently live in Lee Summit with my husband, Eric, for 25 years now. And I have a son, Ellison, who is 14, and two chihuahuas, which they're running around here somewhere. So <laughs> I didn't know you had two chihuahuas. That's awesome. I did have three, and now I only have two. So they're, they're all seen. Aw. Well, for those of you that don't know, Lee Summit is kind of on the east side of the Kansas City metro area. So we're pretty close, a little bit of a drive from each other, but um, definitely local enough that we collaborate quite a bit. So if you've been to posing seminars with Glam Girl, you probably know Kim. She's always very generous with her time and kind of helping my athletes. And we always say that, you know, we're cake bakers over here and she puts the frosting on it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you've get, you've got the whole package and she really does a good job of putting the fine tuning on all of that, but she's also an excellent judge and gives wonderful feedback. So we're very blessed to have her in the area and with all of the shows locally coming back. So we finally have an Overland park show coming back. It's just so nice to see that, um, happening. So, as far as how you turned pro, and I know you have a unique story because uh, you're, and I'm sure you'll share this, but you're type one diabetic. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what your journey looked like when you turned pro and how that happened? Sure. Do you want the diabetes part or the the, the journey part? I want both. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, kind of mutual. When I okay. graduated college, I needed a goal, but I also was kind of party girl too. And I just knew that that need to, I needed a way to, to keep healthy for, you know, having type one. And I also wanted a new goal, you know, after, you know, college was finished. So I will pull out my little pump here. I, I wear an insulin pump now, but when I competed, I had to switch to the old school injection method because there's a little needle that sticks into sub Q body fat and, you know, a few weeks out from competition, I didn't have enough to, to plus with doing fitness, this would actually fall off or rip up. (laughs) Definitely. So it was, uh, it was quite a ride, but 
one that any if anyone that you're dealing with anyone with type one you can easily do it so it 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 takes a little more work but it's not impossible yeah i always say everybody kind of has their thing right that's a challenge um but it doesn't make it impossible it just you know you have to work a little bit harder in certain areas i you know i have hypothyroidism so some things that i have to do but everybody kind of has their thing so does every single human being does and we just have to find it might take you a little longer you might have a different route but the end result can be the same we can get there yeah yeah so as far as turning pro what year did you turn pro and how did that all happen i started competing in the npc in roughly 2000 turned pro 2004 at the las vegas usa's which was in July back when, um, and it was just fitness. I mean, it was just, well, when I, well, actually, that's not true. When I started, it was just fitness and bodybuilding. And I think I want to say 2002 or three is when figure came on board. So at the U.S. I believe there was figure also, but I had already started fitness. So I'm like, I'm kind of glad that I did because I probably would have taken the, I probably would have. So I know for those listeners that don't know what fitness is, and um, it's basically you have to do this routine where you have certain mandatories. I don't know what the rules were then, but um, did you have a background in gymnastics or cheerleading or zero? Okay. Zero. Uh, a lot of the competition that I was up against, they were professional dancers, professional cheer, came from gymnastics, and I didn't have anything. I literally knew that I wanted to get fit and I saw oxygen magazine when I was in the grocery store and I saw this beautiful girl, like fit, muscular, glamorous. And I was like, Ooh, who's that? And it was Monica Brandt. So when I watched, when I opened up oxygen, Mm -hmm. it was fitness or it was bodybuilding. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to do that. And I really had no idea what the heck I was getting into, but hired the right coaches. Uh, there was actually an IFBB pro that was in Lawrence and I contacted oh, okay. her and she was one of the first fitness pros ever, ever to be selected. So I was pretty lucky that I found her in Lawrence. Yeah. So she, that's really close. Yeah. Very close. And I had no idea. I, there wasn't a lot of resources like there are today to find people. Yeah. And there's not a lot of, then there were a lot of resources online. So if you don't have somebody <laughs> local, it's very challenging to get guidance. So yeah, Monica Brandt was one of my inspirations too. When I saw her um, in similar magazines, it was like, wow, she looks incredible. Um, so as far as that goes, you know, how did you, did she, did your coach in Lawrence kind of show you how to, I mean, did you know how to do like splits? How do you I mean, None. kind of flexibility is. I I worked on it, but she gave me guidelines. Here, go do the splits. I worked with adult gymnastic coaches. Adult I had to mm-hmm. sign away in case something happens to you. <laughs> so <laughs> I worked on the splits. I were I actually ended up learning a back tuck at some point and at a show. Long story, but I broke my nose uh, warming up that back tuck on stage. And after that, I said, "Forget it. Never gonna do." Sp- like the whole myth that you have to tumble is not true. There was a group of women in the sport. There are women that can, but there was a group of women that were, you would call them strength moves girl, strength move athletes. And so after that, 
I'm not a gymnast. I can't do this. So I ended up finding other strategies to do power moves or strength moves. So have the mandatories evolved since when you turned pro? What were some of the mandatories that you had to do as part of your fitness routine? We had six. We had six. Sure. And then for a year into the pros, we had six. It was one arm push up, a right or leg split, a center split, a high kick, a, a press hold. And I'm forgetting one. I can't remember. But over the years, they took out the center split. And it was my understanding that they actually found out that some women, just due to the pelvic region, could actually never touch the floor on a middle split. So they ended up removing that out later. Okay. But dang it, I'm missing one. One arm push up, high kick, left or right leg split. Did they have to do a straddle hold or anything like press, a hold? Well, Press hold, I think an L-seated press hold and then a straddle press hold. I think there's one that I'm missing that's terrible that I don't remember it. Um, And then fitness got watered down for a long time. I don't know if you remember that, but we yes. big figure came on board and then it really pretty much destroyed us. I mean, my yeah. pro card was the kind of the last era of big classes. I had 21 athletes in my class. When oh, I turned wow. Okay. And we had three. But when figure came along, why wouldn't you do figure if you couldn't do some of these fitness skills? Yeah. And then, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. But over time, we started losing so many fitness competitors that they, I shouldn't say dumb it down, but they made, for a while, we only had to do a regular push up. I'm like, that's, I was so glad when they brought some of the mandatories back. Yeah. So, with that, um, as far as like your, when you, one year pro card, did they have a one piece suit? Was it a figure posing in the one piece? And then you had to do your routine as well. Uh, yes. And it was actually three equal parts. So your score was thirds. It was okay. your two round, your one piece round, and then your routine. So things are different now. Now it's just 50, 50. So it's, it's divided equally in half. So back then, probably thank God, your physique played a greater, a, a greater role in it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. For a while there, they didn't even have the physique round and then they were having trouble transitioning to being pro because the physique round counts as a pro. So I'm glad they brought both back for amateurs as well, just because you want to always prepare as an amateur to go to the pro stage. So, um, and as a four rounds, one piece, two piece, two minute routine. And then I sent you that video. We had a mandatory 45 second in a black cat suit. The girls had to do every mandatory in order, but we could put other things in between and to music of our own. So, and that's no longer. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's it a was- lot when you're dieting, when you're training, just posing in general is a difficult thing along with the diet and nutrition exercise. And then you throw in choreographed routine, like coming up with costume music, like, um, all of those different holds. It's a lot. So, um, it very a, impressive. I'm glad that I did it, but it was a lot, which kind of lended itself to quite a few injuries in fitness and just in general. What kind of injuries did you, um, corn uh, ACL warming mm-hmm. up for being torn late, a labral tear, a groin pull, 
uh, hamstring pull, which takes forever to sprained ankles. Uh, it was just, a, but the major, oh, the major was the, um, oh, rotator cuff. So wow. yeah. Okay. Quite a, yeah, that's rough on the body. Um, so how many years did you compete as a pro in fitness? And then did you win any pro shows or get any top fives? And then when did you transition over to doing some pro uh, figure shows? So in preparation for my pro debut is when I tore my ACL right okay. before that. So took time off, healed, recovered, came back, did, oh, two or three fitness pro shows. One I did in Arkansas, and that's probably the best that I ever placed as a fitness pro, which I believe that was ninth or eighth, something along that line. Uh, and then ended up with the rotator cuff after that. Mm -hmm. So, it just, and I was getting older and it was just kind of, it just seemed I needed to train some, I decided to opt out against getting the rotator cuff tear, spoke mm -hmm. with my surgeon about it. And he said, why? He said, is there something else that you can do? I'm like, yeah, I could switch to, figure and he said well then you would not even have to have surgery and atrophy you could just train around it so that's pretty much oh, when was that 2007 or 8 ish started doing figure okay and how many pro shows did you do as a figure athlete even i honestly can't remember how many but probably 8 or 10 and never placed top 5 i well okay. got I did the Toronto Super Show years back, and I placed third in Masters. So I did win some money. <laughs> okay, very but nice. I, I, I no, I never placed top five. I just wasn't big enough, and my shape probably wasn't. I mean, it, I could have worked longer and harder at, at adding muscle. But have you taken a good look? It's a different perspective. But have you seen what fitness girls' bodies look like in comparison to? figure athletes of today, their shape? Yes. I mean, I definitely have seen that progression when I, you know, I helped Karina out with her pro debut. I was her coach and just looking at their bodies, it's a lot different, um, in terms of just the waist, uh, yes. there's so much core work and you have to have so much energy to like, uh, do this routine and, um, core strength. So, the waistline, that taper is definitely something that I noticed. They have thicker obliques and core muscles, but I don't know what your thoughts are. You have probably a better You're, perspective. No, exactly. You are 100%. It's the truth. Those girls use their, they have to have their core. They yeah. can't or, or stop using their core. It's function and safety. So there were a few, like, for example, Adela had a great figure body and fitness body. I'm not saying it, it doesn't happen, but just when you look at the fitness athletes, their cores and just how they're made are a little different. Mm -hmm, they're, definitely. They can't help either because they're busting their butts differently. So Yeah. And they have to be able to do those holds and that takes extreme core strength. So absolutely. Yeah. So right. The core is just different, but then they're judged relatively so for their division. Yeah, definitely. Um, can you tell us just about how you from, you know, your pro debut and now what do you do currently for a living? I don't think you mentioned that. Um, I work for a family owned business, my husband, his mom. So my mother-in-law own a landscape company and I work through Friday as an, an estimator. So I deal with architectural drawings and I come up with uh, basically bidding, bidding strategy. 
come up with estimates to do the work. So I'm in the office and then I do that Monday through Thursday, which leaves Friday, Saturday and Sundays open for posing. So that's kind of my ability to do that. Yeah. So you've kind of um, incorporated throughout the years, like you were, you know, a pro and then you also at one time did um, coaching and then you've done now solely posing coaching. And then when did you start judging? Uh, about the same time I turned pro, so 2004-ish, so like okay. 19 years, probably the same time. Okay. And is that when you started coaching and doing posing work with athletes as well? Yep. The okay. posing just, well, their figure had just, their figure wasn't that popular. It had just started, but yet the posing was exactly the same as fitness. So I just began helping local roles that wanted to do figure. They'd ask for some help, but I knew what I knew with fitness. And it really was pretty similar, if not exactly the same. So it just kind of gravitated towards that. And I did do some personal training or nutrition. I used to, you know, do people's nutrition for the show and their workouts for the show. And I just found out that posing just started to grow and turn into something that I loved more. Yeah. So I just. I don't know how it happened. All of a sudden it just kind of blew up and now that's all that I do and it works. So, well, you have an eye for it. I feel like you have a very artistic eye and just your ways with like fashion and things too. I, in photography, I feel like all of that, I don't, is there some sort of background that you, you just have an eye for like symmetry. And I mean, you can do all the divisions too, which makes you also a great uh, judge because you know what each division should really look like and how to put their best foot forward when it comes to posing their bodies for those divisions. So, I mean, I guess where other than just, you know, you starting to help, you know, people that were getting into the figure division, is there any other background or, um, not a formal background, but as a, as a teenager, a young adult, twenties, my whole life, I've always loved fashion always. It's been a thing. And I also like to decorate. I've got a, I guess I have a thing about style and then symmetry. <laughs> yeah. So it just happened with me being able to visually see shapes, forms, and adjusting those forms um, to create a certain shape. It just, it was nothing formal. It's just something that I always loved. But an artsy, cool. art, I love, you know, all things aesthetic. And the human body was an art form to me. And that's why I actually also wanted to become a judge because I loved all the divisions, not just my own, but each one of them. Yeah. And do you, so what kind of um, clients do you pose now just to kind of give our audience an idea? All. um, The ones that I don't get a lot of requests for are bodybuilding, but I have classic men. I have men's posing, women's physique posing, bikini, wellness, fitness, figure, all of them. I can do bodybuilding. I just, I think they're in pretty good hands around here locally. They've got great coaches that can handle that, but I would still do it. And I've got a few pros and I also have, I will start with brand new. I've never done it all. So I'll do everyone. I'll do anyone that asks. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that about you just with the athletes that I've sent your way, you know, you've, you've coached from the pros that I've coached and then also just people beginning and um, people getting ready for nationals, like everything in between. And you do such a good job of making Thank sure. You. Yeah. They know what is required at the, 
regional stage, which is pretty different than a national stage and then definitely different on a pro stage. So I really appreciated all of your help with that. Thank you. It is, it is different, but it still goes back to fundamental basic posing. Sure. sure. Uh, obviously, on the pro level, the posing becomes a little more fun. They get more time out there. But yeah. if they don't, they don't pose well in their correct poses, it's all for naught, even at the pro level. Exactly. So as far as what your business's name is for your posing, um, when did that start? What is it? Um, and then... Where do you pose people out of? I used to have my own place and I called it the posing palace. It And then unfortunately COVID shut that place down. But my business name is the posing palace because it's, it's not a place. It's an attitude kind of a thing. I can go anywhere. I'll go to anyone's gym. Currently I'm in uh, a training studio that's in Lee Summit. Toby and Jen Schultz, they have totally let me use their place. Elite personal training. Um, but I go anywhere. I'll go to anyone's gym that allows it. Some gyms are kind of funny about that, but but the business is called the Posing Palace because it's a it's not just a place; it's an attitude. Kind of my <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you um, do online clients too? Then quite a bit uh, now. I am, and I'm not the best at it, but I'm having people that I'm helping, so I'm getting better. Right now, it's just, I. I'm much better one-on-one, but I've been in situations where like, please, please, will you, please, will you? And I'm getting better at it. It's just very difficult seeing somebody online, as you know, seeing online is different than one-on-one. Yeah, definitely. You see things a little bit differently, but it helps when, you know, with technology, it's been improving and just making sure that it's in good lighting and absolutely um, they have a good connection and all that. So yeah, it comes with. I've learned a lot. So, mm-hmm. so I probably will do more online. I just, I've got limited time, but it's, yeah. I'm improving at that, but I'm definitely one-on-one is my jam. <laughs> yeah. I like it too. When you kind of put your hands on somebody, it's just a little literally, bit. Literally. Yeah. Like elbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it gives them a better connection. I know personally you've posed me several times and just being physically, you know, manipulated. It's like, that is just super helpful. So I encourage anybody that has like is local to the area to um, seek you out because that's just optimal. Um, so as far as like any sort of things in the industry that you've seen as a judge, um, maybe what you, some trends that you saw last year. Um, I don't know if you've have you judged a show yet because I know it's kind of early yeah. in the year. Ours will start. I think it'll be. July, August, September. Am I missing one early? I, I think our first one here in our district is, I is believe, in in summer. Missouri. Yeah. Missouri, I believe. Yeah. So as far as what you saw last year, what what things did you see kind of changing and evolving? I know we wellness is pretty new division. Um, I don't know if you saw anything last year with wellness that you wanted to bring up? I mean, our audience is primarily like female bikini division, wellness figure, all that. So classic is coming up, which is cool to see for the men's division, but for the women's division, bikini is always a stronghold uh, figure. I would say is reduced down a bit. Fitness is non-existent. Please, please girls come to fitness. Yes. Uh, wellness is becoming more popular. 
And I think that's, we're going to see that grow. I think this year we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing as far as trends, we're seeing that growth and development of wellness last year, judging wellness. There was a lot of, I don't know if confusion is the right word, mm-hmm. but. Oh, you froze. The or bikini still does not mean she is ready for wellness. That was it, kind of the, the disparity between what people were understanding. They would go into wellness thinking they were the automatic, I'm what wellness is, but yet they weren't quite there. So I think an understanding, a truly an understanding of what wellness is, is now upon us, so, so to speak. The connection froze a little bit. What did you say the difference was that they felt like their conditioning or their muscular size? Well, well both. So in the past, we would tell girls in bikini, the bikini division specifically, your legs are just a little bit too muscular or big for bikini, just a little bit. Uh-huh. And before wellness came about, they would either have to downsize legs or change their upper body and possibly size themselves out. But the opposite is kind of like, just because your legs are too big for bikini doesn't mean you're quite wellness yet either. Yes. It's a good point. It's that's what I'm seeing trending that people are understanding just because their body might fit into a division. Well, doesn't mean that if there isn't quite a bit of work that has to be done. Yeah. And I think it's going to take time, right? Because it's so yeah. new and that's a lot of muscle to build in the legs um, more so. And I, I saw that too, at the regional level, it's like you saw that they're starting to grow into that division, but they're still like a tweener in a way. Yeah. So a lot of girls, uh, a lot of the athletes that I saw would cross over and they would place well in both. Um, Correct. So that gets confusing too, as an athlete, as an audience. Understand um, it. Yeah, because it's like, okay, well, I'm placing top five in bikini, but I'm also placing top five in wellness. So which direction do I go? So yeah. what would your advice be in terms of, I always felt like you gave the best analogies. So I just remember when I first met you, it was like when I first moved here, you did a seminar and I listened to your description of the difference between figure and bikini. And at the time, obviously we didn't have wellness, but I remember you using the analogy figures, martini glass. And I could just see that, you know, I could see that visual. Um, and then, you know, bikini is more of an hourglass. I've been using the analogy recently for lack of a better one. Um, I'm sure you have a better one too, but I think of wellness as like a bell. I don't know yes. any other way to describe it, but it's it's strange because it's the only non-symmetrical category in our whole sport. So what are your thoughts on like what people should look for in determining whether or not they're a good fit for that category? There's a couple of points to address here. Would one be fusion with the judging or would one be to how do you know where I fit? Mm-hmm. that sometimes people really don't know and sometimes coaches don't know either and you might you could attest to that as well mm-hmm. fully dieting down fully to your division's standard your division's ideal is the to where everything is symmetrical especially body fat a lot of people forget that 
body fat needs to be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. So fully diet down. Like if you're trying to decide between wellness and bikini, fully diet down symmetrically fat distribution. Mm-hmm. See if you're, and you may have to compete just to see this. This is why some girls will do well in two different categories. Sure. See your eyes from ground up will gravitate and hang out at hamstrings, glutes, and legs for a little while longer, and then go up. It's 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 a dominance that makes your eyes kind of stop and hang out there for oh, yeah. wellness. It's a little bit bigger upper body than bikini, a little bit. And I think they at one time they said it was the same upper body as bikini. But let's face it, when you're training legs, hamstrings, glutes, you're also not messing around with your upper body either so all these girls do have a little bit more upper body but it's not equal if their upper body matched their lower half they would be women's physique yeah okay so it needs to be distinctly different it needs to be distinctly different in comparison and it's as you stated which is a great analogy a bell but they still have to have an upper body Okay. So you are and, looking for some tone like muscles up there just with, that aren't matching. Without a doubt. So the judging is front to back, side to side, top to bottom. So just because you have legs, hamstrings, glutes, but yet when the judges see you in your back pose or front pose, you do not have a complete deltoid. You're missing an anterior or posterior. You might have enough upper back, but what if you're missing a spot or two? There's still symmetry discrepancies, even with wellness, that your upper body needs to be complete, but it needs to be less developed than your lower half. Okay. I like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a good perspective um, for sure. And I have seen that, especially with the pros. I mean, they just have these huge upper bodies, but they have even bigger legs and lower body. Um, so in proportion, they're not symmetrical, but yeah, they do have like a lot of muscle because you're going to grow. Top in general. To not symmetrical as far as right. that are balanced like bikini is, but the upper half still has to be its own symmetry. Okay. You can't just have big glutes and have tiny partial delts. Uh-huh. That does be complete now with wellness they're covering their back so we really can't see we see a little bit of width but if if a wellness girl is really narrow through lats and has tiny arms there is a symmetry problem with there with that okay interesting so as far as your trends that you see coming up for this year what are your thoughts there in terms of things that people should look out for in terms of their posing I know you're like the pet peeve queen. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to, and I know keeping in mind that we're on a podcast and we're doing video. So on YouTube, people will be able to see things, but um, for those listeners listening on the podcast, just like descriptors on maybe like some of what your pet peeves are or some things My to think about. Or, or in general, judges um, in general. Or you're just like... <laughs> I'd like to hear yours because I think you have good perspective. Um, if you have something collectively that you've heard from the panel that bugs 
also other people, um, in addition to yourself, uh, I know you've consorted or, you know, you've, um, consulted with like Sandy, which she's our head women's chair. So, you know, just kind of like things to look out for as posers and things that the judges are trying to, um, trying to see like anything, any tips that you have for our listeners. Absolutely. And there's some of the ones that Sandy and Becky Clausen pass on. Um, if it's a rule, which in bikini, we had to make this a rule. If it's a rule not to stand like a teapot, don't stand like a teapot or the hitchhiker or whatever it is. When it clearly state, it when it bothers judges enough, especially Olympia judges, when it bothers them enough that they make it a rule, please read the rules and don't do that. Right. Like that. It's just, it was annoying enough and strange enough that they, it's, it's actually a rule. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and the one that's not a rule that should be in both wellness and bikini is that bend over thing. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. a rule. It just goes without saying, just don't, from the judge's perspective, we often see things we don't want to see. Yes. <laughs> it also just, makes the hips wide very wide the hips widen the top of the glutes flatten and the entire upper body disappears so then we just see this it, it completely changes your look from both wellness and bikini we're still supposed to see the upper body from the back view mm-hmm. yeah. so so pet peeve is definitely don't bend over um the guy judges have like they are not as nitpicky as I think the women judges are, especially I'm also a posing coach. So I'm probably more nitpicky about certain things, but Mm -hmm. things that are flat out weird (laughs) (laughs) or completely, I call them orchestra arms, like really, really big things or extreme vendovers or just extreme uh, things. Like Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) Yeah. Wax on, wax off. (laughs) Honestly, if you look at people posing and you find it to be odd, it, the posing's odd enough as it is. But collectively, if you're watching, if anyone, if someone brand new to the sport, someone that's been around for a little bit, even yourself, if you find it to be odd, so do we. Okay. So I know you have always mentioned um, the sidewinder walk and things like that. So um, when it comes to a balance between trying to make your waistline look small and your shoulders to be presented, um, you know, in bikini when someone's walking across the stage without making it look super awkward, um, but also not being closed off to the judges and not kind of turning their upper body. How do we find a balance between that? What are, what are some of your thoughts around? The lacrosse cabaret leg? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like the, uh, the whole sidewinder where you kind of, I mean, without, if I was, Yes. If you're listening, it's hard to understand what we're talking about, but basically like your feet are going in a different direction completely than your body. Cabaret to the side. Yeah. Think that you want to make eye contact as you're walking. If if it's the dismissal, if it's the curtsy or goodbye, Mm -hmm. you're going to, a step or two is all you need to make eye contact and then turn your body naturally the direction it needs to go. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So what about those times when somebody's like, you know, they just, they did their individual and then everybody's on the diagonal. So they have to like 
completely almost do a 180 to walk to the back of the line. If you know what I'm saying, like if everybody's on the diagonal and then one at a time, the first person in the diagonal comes out, does their individual, then they have to go to the back of the line. Yeah. So there's like a fine line between making that look super awkward so that your glutes don't show. But at the same time, you don't want to just have your glutes kind of like flailing around um, for them to see flaws. So what are your thoughts on like how to to move in a very like strong, hard angle? I'll try to get up and do it a little bit. So you're talking about when people are on a diagonal and they're Mm -hmm. asked to come out one at a time and go back to the diagonal. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So an interesting thing happens. So you're talking about probably this girl that's here that has to literally turn around at some point and go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's basically like doing a back walk in a way if she, unless she tries to do something different. I don't know if that's a factor. That's something because I assume like the, I mean, I'm a judge too. So I know like I'm watching everybody all the time. There's not just one specific person that I'm watching when they're doing their individual, if they're on stage, they're getting judged basically. So what are some tips on how to like, you know, make that look natural and um, not like expose uh, areas that you don't want the judges to see in a way? (laughs) So, um, it's kind of that same thing that you could take a step or two naturally to get you in the direction that you need to go and eventually to turn mm-hmm. because what will is when one girl is finishing up they've already probably said the other competitor's name and asked her to come forward so there's kind of two things going on it's that smoke and mirrors thing so if right. you're finishing you do your wave, whatever, and you've got to go back this way. They're calling the next girl up. You can actually wave as you're walking and then go. Oh, I like it. So it's just a simple, and I work with pageant girls also. And mm-hmm. so I fabulous trips, tricks from them about grace and beauty, because you'll see girls on stage and literally wave and boom, there they go. But uh-huh. you can, you can finish it up with a wave and you can even finish it up wave one, two, and go. That would be, I don't know if you can tell from what I was doing. Yeah. So those of you that are listening, she kind of almost walked backwards a little bit and step or two, not more than that. Or you look, Mm -hmm. it looks, but it's, you're kind of waving and leaving, you know, thank you. Bye. And go. Mm -hmm. Because by that time, the other girl is probably front and center. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just, I guess, keeping in mind that I mean, from your perspective, when you are going through like a comparison round, a call out round, an individual round, is there anything that people should keep in mind when, let's say, for example, they're on corners, like in a comparison round or um, kind of what's going through your mind as a judge um, in each of those particular rounds? And what are some things that people can kind of keep in mind um, to have best practices? Girls on the ends, five is not a very big deal, but if there's seven or more in your class, make sure the athletes, and this is not just the women, make sure the athletes angle inward. Sure. Um, That's the biggest thing, because if it's a large show, a competitive show, I have seen girls and guys, whoever, on the ends that look great, and they're directly posed in front of the judges on the ends. And by the time that judge said, hey, this, this athlete looks great, head judges already turned and turned and turned, it may take them a bit 
for that girl to finally get moved. If it happens at all, some of these shows are huge, especially national shows. You've seen that when they come out in big groups of what? Yes. I call them heats or, you know, 10 girls uh -huh. at a time. You better you make sure to angle their bodies inwards so that they're seen. Yeah. So if you're um, on, let's say, an end that's opposite to somebody that's in a bigger class and you're trying to see them and let's say they're not angled in. Um, as far as like the button and all of that, what are some tips that you can give competitors on how to best show like their number and things like that too? Well, now don't we, we have different rules on the numbers. Now you can wear your numbers on whatever side. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever your dominant side is, your number goes on your dominant side and angle that side. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're, bikini poses this way or this way take it and turn it to i always advise turn it to the head judge mm -hmm. same center yeah. because if you're angled one direction at least the majority of the people can see you and if the head judge he or she can see you they can at least pull you and move you and then other people um usually the judges on the ends kind of get the raw end of the deal for a minute but not after you're moved not after you're brought into the center you'd rather okay. be by the majority than just one. So kind of going in a different direction um, altogether, but with judging, as far as like um, test judging and then making sure that, you know, do you throw out a high and a low um, if they have an athlete in the show? Kind of what are the practices around here when it comes to, you know, judging on a panel that you have an athlete in the show that you coach? Um, how do they... How do they make it fair just for the audience's purpose? Um, I, I kind of know what we're talking about, but just so that our audience can know like, okay, I'm getting a fair shake when it comes to this. Right. Even, okay, ideally in an ideal world, no one should have an athlete in the show, but we wouldn't have any athletes or any coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, mm -hmm. there wouldn't be anyone, which is why our system is as great as it is because if there are five on a panel, a high score and a low score are removed. Three scores count. If there are seven, two scores are removed. And you at national shows, when there's you know 15 or 16 judges, they throw out enough highs and lows for your score to be five, meaning five judges that count. So let's say there's five athletes in front of me in bikini and you and I are judging uh -huh. and you love this girl just love her she's fabulous I don't like her at all I just don't like her <laughs> for whatever reason you put her ranker as one and for whatever reason has nothing to do with her physique this is where people think that there's politics involved I put her five just don't like her I want more girl to win I'm gonna put her fifth the one gets tossed the five gets tossed and everybody in the middle, those are the scores that count. So if everyone else put this athlete second, that athlete is second. Okay. It, it, it ends any of this political nonsense that, I, and that's another pet peeve of mine as a judge about politics. And we don't know what we're doing. Well, if we don't know what we're doing, and this is going to sound probably a little crass, come join us, come be a test judge, come make our system better. If you think it's so unfair come sit in my shoes. And that's not to sound nasty, but I love this board. I want it to be fair and our system's super fair. 
Yeah. So tell us about your process with um, just how it works, like with test judging and how somebody becomes a judge and all that. So I forget the exact percentages, but when I asked to become a judge, I had to sit through three. I actually had to come at a show, sit behind the judging panel, and I believe it was 75% accuracy of the entire show, meaning I had to score everyone the way the panel did. Uh three times and not everybody passes by the way yeah (laughs) uh so that was the process and then you're the new judge if you pass you're the new judge and the way you go but most people that judge have a knowledge have a background it's not usually some random person that knows nothing about the sport sure definitely are there any other things that you wanted to share that i haven't asked you questions about that you feel like would be valuable? Hmm. I wrote down so many things, which we, oh, did you talk about what about what stage presence? I believe was one of your, Oh yeah. Tips about stage presence. Yeah. That would be great. I, I feel despite what people think, I think it can be taught. I think you can teach people to have stage presence. And a lot of people argue and they just say, well, either they do or they don't. But before you have confidence, and this is a me thing, there's discipline that has to happen first. Discipline of practice for weeks, for months, for years, whatever it is. And then once you have done your due diligence with discipline, that builds confidence. Mm -hmm. And then you take that confidence and you're taught how to pose in bikini wellness whatever the division is and be yourself i think if you're your true authentic self your personality will shine i see so many women emulating their favorite pro doing something the way that she did it and it doesn't come across the same so Mm -hmm. i really really want athletes or when i work with them be your most authentic you If you didn't come from dance, don't do it like your favorite pro who was a professional dancer. It's not going to be the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. Stage confidence, I think, is just discipline, doing doing it over and over and over, builds confidence. And then once you have confidence, be yourself. Yeah. Can you you describe when you look at somebody on stage and just when they have kind of that it factor, does it, it stand out to you as a judge? Um, it does. Yeah. I know for me, I can just see that they're comfortable and confident and. My best word depiction of this is that someone without words is telling the entire audience, not just the judging panel, the entire audience, how they feel about themselves with their body language. And it's, I, I describe it as a chemistry exchange between that person on stage and everyone. Yeah. They kind of light it up and your really, eyes naturally really. drawn to them. Yeah. Is there any other tips on just how to um, maybe overcome nerves or what, um, what you've seen like with your clients in posing how you've Um, help them out with if they have stage fright or anything like that? Practice. Practice without the mirrors. 
practice until so with stage fright um i have a kind of a an intrigue with the psychology of things too i saw a sports psychologist for a while because i was a self saboteur i did everything in great and i had a really bad habit of on the day that it counts show day of messing it up basically on purpose because i was afraid afraid of what it would be to actually do something well um afraid of the oh i'm going to be queen and like not that i would ever act but i it was fear but practice 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 because your body will when fear comes in the negative butterflies can take over and your butterflies can help you or hurt you. Butterflies that fly in unison, your body goes on autopilot. Autopilot. If you've been practicing something with ease, you may not even, do you remember when you posed maybe in your early, you maybe even some of your later, you don't even remember doing it? Yes. Like to the point where you black out. A lot of these new girls, I don't tell them black out, but you probably won't even remember it. But they're like, did I even do what I was supposed to do? Because I don't remember it. I'm like, yes, you did. You did what you practiced. Yeah. So with with a dancer or a cheerleader, they've already had years and years and years of practice of automatically smiling in front of a crowd automatically. But those that are not cheer, dance performers, they have to practice smiling. So mm -hmm. the biggest with girls, they always say, I'll practice when it comes to showtime. I'm like, no, you won't. You will practice what you do during your you're, you'll perform what you do during practice. Yeah. So, so down to like even having the, even the little hair, like just the subtle hair movements. Mm -hmm. Practice. Yeah. So you have all of your athletes do like wear their hair down and all that as much take as hair they can. You take your hair down out of your ponytail. Mm -hmm. Not session, but probably by session two and for sure the third or fourth session, you need to practice doing it because it's which hair choreography, it is a thing. It's done yeah. purposely. So, I mean, an athlete will walk out with their hair here so that they can suddenly move it. Yeah. But it's, if they don't practice doing it, it's not going to happen. Sure. So yeah. I, I, I encourage do it the day that you would love to do it on stage. Do that every day in practice. Perfect. Great advice. So many nuggets. Um, is there anything that you wanted to share with people before we hop off as far as that goes? I look and see what else we talked about or wanted to talk about. Eh. We've covered quite a bit. So I've been very appreciative of your time. And maybe we can do another uh, interview if you if you feel like you have more to share um, as yeah, well. I got one last nugget. Yeah. Okay. When you, when athletes receive feedback from the judges after the show. Okay. That's a good one. Just know that we can only judge what is in front of us at that moment in that class. And all of them may not be the ideal standard and the judges have to actually, we have to pick a winner. Like, have you ever been to a show where we just said, no one is the ideal standard, no one's placing? We pick no. a winner regardless. You have to. Right. So just know that when it comes down to it, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So just know when we're choosing the person closest to the industry's ideal, whatever the division is, 
we're going to look at the whole. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts, if that makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I've, I've heard you in the past say too, like if a certain body part sticks out when it's supposed to be a symmetrical category, if your eyes drawn to the quads and it's a bikini competitor, like that's not a good thing and things like that. So, um, and that's, that's true of what that it just one part doesn't make it just even if it's a good part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Basic quads and you're in bikini. It, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you're you. a gem and you're, we're so blessed as an industry to have you a part of it in so many different capacities and what you do for women, um, you know, and the people on my team and for me and just everybody, I just really appreciate your heart because you're one of the most sincere, genuine pr- people that I've ever met. Um, you thank always- you just send these incredibly heartfelt messages and you just make people feel really special and appreciated. So, um, you just have a, a real knack, um, expertise as well. So just thank you for all of your dedication and everything you do for the industry. It really means a lot. Thank yeah. Love all of you guys. So if you could, um, just share with our audience where to find you, I'll have it in the show notes and we'll be posting on our Instagram uh, as well. But if they want to reach out to you and hire you for posing or. Sure. Um, I do not have a Facebook page, but it's Kim Seeley 8108 on Instagram mm-hmm. and contact. You can DM me and I have my page private just because I get weirdos every now and then. Okay. So it's my page is only for posing. It's not kids, dogs, family stuff, although you might see a random kid picture, but it's mainly information for um, posing. So if if you are an athlete, send me a DM saying you're an athlete. And then I'll typically give phone numbers out after that. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So I'll put that information in the show notes and you can find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you can share this episode on your story and let us know what you think of it or send us a DM. Uh, We'll be sure to pass that along to Kim as we so appreciate her time on the podcast today. Um, If you would like to join our uh, prep team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off. Thanks for listening, guys.